Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you. Look at you going to church on Labor Day weekend. What? You, got, you people are going to heaven. I mean, sure, the others are at Disney World or Harry Potter World. <laughs> Big deal. But we're going to heaven because we're at church. <laughs> and I'm really joking about all that, but, you know. Um, yeah, small groups kick off next week. They're a great opportunity to grow in your faith and relationship with other people. It's really how it works best, is being connected with other people that you can tell your story. You know, we just did Fix Flooding First here at Crosstown on Thursday, and we had a bunch of people here that had story. They had the story of being flooded. And one of the biggest encouragements people said to me about that event was that somebody else knew their story that somebody else heard them and was aware of the pain and the hardships that they were going through. And it, it was very important when, when all of a sudden you know somebody's got your story in their hearts. So we encourage you to be part of our three L groups. And if you were able to make it on Thursday and be part of our serve team, it, you did a great job. It was absolutely awesome. I think the people that came were blown away by the generosity and the example that we as a church have set through the three floods that we have been through. And I think it was a really great opportunity to offer a lot of people help. So last week we started talking about growing in our, um, growing in prosperity and I, through a relationship of closeness with God. And I know that's kind of a, a mouthful of things, but it's not just becoming Bible scholars when you grow closer to God. It's not just about trying to figure out or disciple some code in the Bible on how to uh, be successful, how to make more money, how to be a better business person, or, or how to have a better marriage. But rather, it seems to be that God has invited us to grow closer to him, and part of that closeness is that we begin to succeed and experience prosperity in our lives through it. This is what David said. He said, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of, of mockers, but his delight, what his heart is leaning into, is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And he is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he or she does prospers. That through growing in knowledge of God, through growing closer to God, God begins to bring that win and that success into our lives. It's not like we normally think as Americans where you will position yourselves for the win or position yourself for success, and that kind of sounds right, but really the way that God wants it to take place is that we lean into him, and as a result of the lean into God, the growing closer to God, we experience the win, we experience the success and the prosperity that, that comes of having a close relationship with him. But you know, whenever anybody talks about getting closer to God, I, I begin to have like these blocks that drop down in front of me. I'm not a naturally God-inclined individual. I'm not a natural reader. I'm not somebody that just delights in the idea of getting alone with God for hours and getting on my knees and, and, and using words like tarrying before the Lord. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what that is. But, but you know, whenever I hear anybody talk about getting closer to God or leaning into God, I begin to think about phrases that I hear people say, well, you need to spend more time in the Word. You need to get into the word a little bit more in your life. And I'm like, well, what is that? Or, um, 
Well, you need to really um, have a devotion life or what your devotions look like. And I just don't think of God in those kinds of terms, or at least I didn't learn God in those kinds of terms, those kind of Christianese. So when I talk about developing a relationship with God, when I think about knowing God and growing intimately with God, some of the stereotypes that Christians have really begin to set up roadblocks against this pursuit of God. So I kind of want to dispel some imagery of what it looks like to be a Christian pursuing after God. Here's one of those images that we're going to dispel. Are you a Christian girl that loves taking photos of her devotions? Do you spend hours framing the perfect picture without the payoff of people noticing how spiritual you are on the internet? Introducing Christian Girl Instagram, 101 tips and tricks to get more likes on your devotional photos. Hi, I'm John Christ with Christian Girl Instagram. Do you struggle to get likes on those devotional Instagram photos? Hashtag the struggle is real. From the best-selling author of Shameless Workout Selfies comes Christian Girl Instagram. I would always get totes stressed out trying to decide which Bible verse to show. <laughs> Not anymore. Okay, you're always going to want to stay away from common verses like Jeremiah 29:11 or John 3:16. No matter what verse you choose, you always want to make sure you highlight multiple verses with multiple colors. Because after all, what's the point of having devotions if no one knows about it? I used to spend five minutes reading the Bible, then like 30 minutes trying to figure out a hashtag. Then I found Christian Girl Instagram. My book includes over a thousand hashtag suggestions like Coffee with Colossians, Bliss, Serenity, Much Needed, and of course, hashtag blessed. Buy Christian Girl Instagram today and we'll include our 31-piece package of options to put in the background of your photo. Things like a candle, a precious moments doll, a subscription to Relevant Magazine, kale chips, and of course, a coffee cup with a Bible verse on it. Thanks to inspiration from Christian Girl Instagram, I took down my Marilyn Monroe poster and replace it with footprints in the sand. So clear off what's really on your desk and replace it with new products from Christian Girl Instagram. Christian Girl Instagram now includes bonus tips like if you're gonna include your hand in the photo, always wear a purity ring. And if you're gonna include additional reading material in the background of your photo, always avoid extremes. We don't want people to think you're too prosperity driven by maybe having some Joel Osteen yet, we don't want people to worry about your theology by having some Rob Bell or Mark Driscoll, okay? You want to stay right in the middle, maybe some Joyce Meyer, some Beth Moore would be perfect. And remember, anything leather-bound is really going to pop with that Valencia Instagram filter. Christian Girl Instagram is great. My devotions are now constantly being interrupted by people liking my post. Buy now and I'll also include my additional book, Announcing Your Social Media Fast. Tips and tricks for effectively telling people you're fasting while ignoring all of Jesus' teachings about telling people you're fasting. Christian Girl Instagram can be yours today. This book and so much more available to you all for the cost of less than a pair of yoga pants. I don't always do devotions, but when I do, I Instagram it. Wow. I, I'm sorry. I, I know we're kind of making fun of that a little bit, but... I, when, I come to God, when I came to God, it's like there's got to be a way that God communicates with me and wants to interact with me that maybe is not just like everybody else. Um, when we talk about growing in our knowledge of God in the 21st century, and then when a Hebrew person or one of the writers of the New Testament would write about knowledge, we mean something totally different. 
Today, knowledge is the acquisition of information, it's data, it's ideas, it's systems of learning. Knowledge is more of a repository of information, of facts, of things that are observable or things that are measurable, and we kind of gather them all together. We see knowledge or science as something that is stored and engaged with only in our brain. But when the scripture was written, um, knowing meant so much more than just what we use it for now. It wasn't so narrow. Knowledge and experience and encounter were synonymous. Knowledge was something known, something felt, something experienced. Knowledge was not only captured with, with the reason, it was also something that was experienced through the senses, through relationship, through the spirit, through the mind, and through the body. Never in the history of mankind has the word knowledge ever been so narrow where it only specifically talks about a certain category of knowing something. But up until this point, it, was, it had a full range and gambit of its, of its meaning. Knowledge was not something just to be known. It was something to be lived, something to be experienced. So when we're talking about growing in our knowledge of God, from the original writing standpoint, it, it means more than just how much Bible time you're having. It means more than how much time are you spending on your knees. It, it means more than, than the, the simple narrow categories we tend, particularly in the Bible Belt, to begin to put the concept of knowing God. Now, I just thought we'd have some fun with this today, and um, I'm going to ask some of the youth to come on up and help me. Um, we're we're going to talk about about knowledge, and this is really going to make sense. But when we talk about candy, um, we talk about the amount of sugar that it has, okay? We talk about how much sugar's in it, and we, we talk about how bad it may be for your teeth and how maybe you shouldn't eat candy. Um, we also could talk about candy, how much fun it is to eat. I mean, you guys kind of like candy. It's a pretty cool thing. Um, but today we're going to talk about a particular kind of candy, now, I'm going to show you two different demonstrations of knowledge. Now, first, I'm going to give you knowledge about this candy called Warheads. Warheads are like the most amazing candy. If you've never had a Warhead, come up to me afterwards, and, and we'll, if we have some left over, we'll sample them to you, and you can find out what it's like. But let me give you the 21st century definition of knowledge. So this is how we approach knowledge today. So the, the candy warheads is made out of corn syrup, sugar, malic acid, hydrogenated uh, palm oil, citric acid, gum, acacia, soybean oil, ascorbic acid, artificial flavors, and maybe you can help me with this one, um, carnauba, carnauba wax. Don't, I, don't we put that on our cars? I mean, I, I, I polish my car with something that sounds like that. Then there's cornstarch, and then there's blue number one, there's red number 40, and then there's yellow number five. So that's what candy is in the 21st century way of thinking it. But then the, the Hebrew way of thinking about it, or the ancient biblical writings way, what we're going to do is we're going to give them one of the warheads. And we're going to watch the reaction on their faces of the warhead. Because that's what knowledge 
looks like when we talk about growing in our knowledge and our relationship with guys. You guys ready for this? Okay, now, here's the thing. I'm not going to give you this warhead. We're going mega warhead. We're talking about Cold War warhead stuff here, okay? So I'm going to give you three. Don't put them in your mouth yet. There's your three, okay? Yes, your hands are shaking. They should be because you're about to get warhead, okay? <laughs> and here we go. And uh, there you go. There's your, your three warheads. Now, don't put them in your mouth yet because we're going to kind of crank it up a little bit and so we've got this special sauce, okay, called Super Sour Warhead, okay? This is a special sauce. So what you're going to do is, don't yet, but you're going to take the three warheads, you're going to put it in your mouth. You're going to leave your mouth open. I'm going to come alongside, and I'm going to squirt a little juju juice in there, and, and, and then you're going to begin to suck on all that goodness, okay? All right. Now, you cannot chew it, you cannot swallow it, you cannot, have you signed your waivers? Okay, you're, okay, all right, here we go. All right, so get ready, insert the warhead. All right, here we go, I feel like Hunt for Red October. Boom, here we go, insert your warhead. Okay, here we go, boom, 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 okay. Insert your warheads, uh, boom, boom. Okay, all right, all right, okay, come on. All right, here we go, we got it. How we doing, guys? We're doing good? Oh, okay. You're doing all right? That's good stuff, huh? Come on. Come on. You're doing this for Jesus, all right? All right. You need to do this right, okay? Man, look at you guys. Oh, so I know you're, you're tasting that blue number one, that red number 40, that yellow number five. Is, is, that, is, is that a little hint of scorbic acid, a little bit of malic acid? You're feeling all those things? Let's give it up for our guys and gals. Thank you very much. Hey, guys, feel free to go get a, a drink of water. But, you know, I, the reason why that's important is that when we talk about knowing God, and if you think knowing God means how many Bible verses you can memorize, you are totally missing the experience. You know, we think it's, well, you know, if you do your devotion life and if you attend church a certain amount of times a week or if you stroke a check to God or whatever it may be, all those are really good components of our Christian faith. But God wants us to go beyond just knowing 10 commandments or red number 40 or blue number one or yellow number five. He wants us to experience him. He wants us to encounter his presence, to know him through his word, and to know him through a relationship with his son, Jesus. This is what the Hebrew view of man was, is that we knew God with our total heart, with our mind and our soul. So to know him was more than just spending an hour in prayer. It was more than just engaging the brain or the eye. When, when Jesus was asked a question by somebody who knew all the red number 40s and all the blue number 1s and all the different ingredients of the Hebrew faith, he asked him, what is the most important commandment of all of them? What is the number one element that I need to have in my life? And I want you to hear how Jesus answered the question because he gives them a warhead experience as opposed to an ingredients experience. In Luke 10, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. 
And let's squirt a little bit of love your neighbor as you love yourself in there. I mean, when we saw the kids, their faces are contorting under the, the, the explosion of the warhead. Jesus isn't just coming up with these, these ingredients. And, and I've seen a lot of scholars, they'll, they'll, they'll be like, okay, uh, so Jesus said, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, okay, and with all your mind. Okay, red number 40, blue number one, yellow number five. Let's do a biblical expository study of those words, and we'll break it out what it means. What is Jesus doing? He's, it's like the eyes were squinting. Their ears were vibrating. Their mouths were contorting. Their cheeks were elevated. The coloring of their faces were flushed while they were eating this candy. That's what Jesus is saying. It's like this relationship with God should go deep into the soul, into the very life experience of who we are. And we want to encounter God in every kind and every way possible in our lives. That we want to know him. That's why in the, in the Old Testament, when the Bible talks about some of the couples, um, when it wants to describe their marital sexual intimacy, it doesn't say, and they had sex. It will say something like, and Abraham knew his wife Sarah. Now, that wasn't just a clever little King James wave to get us around from using the word sex in church. But really what it was is that, that it's more than just sex. It was more about the concept of intimacy, of knowing one another, of, of closeness and relationship. And this is what David is talking about. He's talking about growing in intimacy and knowledge with God. So that Christian knowledge of God is obviously not just observation or facts, but it is the result of experiencing Christ in your life. Knowledge, then, is the whole person standing in relationship with God through Christ, his word, and his spirit. So one of the things that I have difficulty with is, okay, well, then what is the right way for me to be pursuant after God? Because not all of us do this the same way and, and do it all the same way well. Now, let me make it very clear. There is only one God there is only one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and there's only one way, the truth and the life. But with that said, that there are different kinds of ways of experiencing God. Yes, I, we, we use this phrase, one size fits all. Yes, his grace fits all of us, regardless of our lives. But how we learn God is different from person to person. But what we've done in the past is what we've done kind of like in our school system is that we created one way to learn, and if you don't learn that way, well then, we do a couple things. We either put you in a special school, or we'll take you out of that school and you will experience failure, or we put you on some sort of medication. Now, I don't want to fault society, because we can't have schools for all the different kinds of learning out there, but we all do learn differently. College was something that never really did it for me. Just having to read these books that I was told I had to read, have to go to that class, pay a certain amount of money, then I walk out and I have my degree, and then the assumption is, is that I know something. Now, I know the, those of you who are giggling probably went to college. You probably, you probably learned a lot of things, like how to roll a joint. You probably learned how to get in trouble or you know, how to find your way home when you're blinded or whatever. You probably learned a lot of things. But what about us who, who, you know, we learn God differently. We think that we have to do it all the same. Some of us are formal learners. 
You're just like amazing when it goes to school. That system is designed perfectly for you. Your tire fits right into that, that treadmill that, and you are able to ride that rail just perfectly. You're good at that. Some of us are experiential learners. Some of us are tactile learners. We like to touch and feel and, and kinetically interact with, with objects and things around us, and we learn it best that way. Some of us are logical learners. I love logical learners. Logical learners, they use their eyebrows a lot. Their brains and their eyebrows. They're going to be like, what do you mean? And then you lay out all the facts and be like, hmm, okay, I see where you're going with this. Oh, yeah, yes, I got it, I got it, I got it. You know, logical learners are that way. They, they, you could tell when a logical learner is in learning mode because they, you can see it. There's some of us that are very visual. You got to show me. I got to see it. I've got I've to hear things. Some of us are solitary learners. Just leave me alone. I do best if you just, well, leave me alone. Tell me what I need to come up with, and I'll, I'll go. Some of us are really good together. You know, like when we talk about it in small groups, some of us, you know, we need a little bit of accountability. We need somebody to share a different perspective, somebody to speak to us maybe a little clearer than we're hearing from our own heads at times. And we all find ourselves in that place. And the scripture reveal men and women who learn the same truth about God, but in different ways of learning. Yes, there was one Lord, one God, one Jesus, one spirit, but through different ways of knowing and learning and experiencing God. Let me be very clear. I'm not advocating some, some pluralistic concept of God. There's only one true God. But, there's, but God wants me to learn him in the way that he's created me to learn. You know, this is so important to me because I, I find a lot of people, particularly men in the church, just never find their place. It's kind of like what we do with the little boys in education today. And it's like ladies learn real well. You guys tend to be more formally driven in your learning processes. And I'm sure there's some statistics to back me up on that. So the classroom is usually run by a wonderful woman teacher for the most part. And then all the little girls are about three years ahead of their, their, their male counterparts. You know, boys are like, eh, you know, and she's all, you know. You look like an idiot, you know? And so the boys are a little bit... So what we do is we try to get little boys to act like little girls. And, and I have to be honest with you, we're doomed to fail because we'll never pull that off. And then there's these certain forms that we fall into. In the church, we do the exact same thing. You know, some of the gals will come to church and they want to do groups together. They want to do Beth Moore studies together. And, and they're crying in their small groups together. And, have, and us guys are just like, I don't want to go, stupid group. I, I can't read. Or I don't want to read my Bible. Or anything. And it's like, and I, I have to be honest with you, I'm with the guys on this one. It's not really easy. And I have a hard time believing that God, the way that he sorts people from going to heaven to hell is make the good learners go to heaven and all the bad learners go to hell. Now, that's absolutely ludicrous. Unless we are all created in the image of God and there's something about that image of God in me that helps me learn God a certain kind of way. And that's why Jesus said, stop judging one another because you all don't even learn me the same way. You experience me the, uh, in different ways. I love what Moses said in Deuteronomy 6-7. When he was talking about teaching God and learning God, listen to what he said about learning God. He said, you're learning God when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road. 
and when you lie down, and when you get up. He's talking about that we can know God in all the spaces and all the places that we are throughout our life. You know, that we can learn God when we're, we're driving to school. We can learn God when we're riding our bikes or we're in a kayak on the river or, or when we're at work or wherever we are. You know, let me just get, it's kind of a, a silly example, but um, two days ago, yeah, I think it was two days ago, I was out in my driveway early in the morning with a cup of coffee. It's, I do my best work uh, in, in my driveway. I do my best work early in the morning when nothing else is happening, birds are all fed, you know, we've taken care of that, and um, I got a cup of coffee, and I'll be standing there with a cup of coffee, and, and I'll just be uh, looking. So I'm standing there in my driveway, and I'm looking at my car, and my car parks perpendicular to my boat trailer. Now, the big thing about that is, is that I'm always concerned that somebody's going to back into the boat when they pull out of my driveway. Uh, and I don't have any place where else I can put the boat, so smart butt who just said, why don't you move the boat? Okay, just, just stop it, all right? Okay, so, so I'm thinking about, I got to keep people from backing into the boat. So I thought, well, you need to put a log right in front of the trailer. Makes sense. It'll keep the car from backing into the... But, but then I realized, you know, um, no, you technically need to have the log four feet away from the trailer because the average back end of a car is four feet long. So before this log... Get, touches the back wheel of the car as it's backing up, if you put it right next to the boat, they're already going to be four feet deep into the boat. So you've got to put the log all the way here. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But while I'm standing there thinking about it, I'm thinking about, wow, isn't that how God works in our lives? He said, I hide God's word in my heart, like David said, that I might not sin against him. It's like, what you're doing is creating that four feet and see, men don't fall into, into adultery. We don't just kind of, uh, you know, oh, it was that day and I just happened to fall into it. It's when we don't create the four feet of margin that we fall into things. And so here I am thinking about my car and my boat trailer, and I'm thinking about the four feet of margin I have to have that I've got to adjust the issue. Not. Then I begin to think about the word of God. God, I need your word today because there's going to be, I'm going to need that four feet. When a problem presents itself, I have to have the information before I encounter the problem. Or when a sin tempts me, I've got to already have, you know, the ideas in my head long before I get to it. And here I am having this great moment with God. Now, I may walk in the door. May my wife may be prostrate before the Bible's, you know, just worshiping God. And, and she could, but she wouldn't look to me and say, why aren't you going to spend time with God? And, so, and there I was out in my driveway looking at my car, looking at my boat, and God was teaching me about creating margin between me and sin in my life. I say, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Let me just tell you, it doesn't get more spiritual than that. You know, I mean, God, when it's when you're walking along the road, when you're going in, when you're coming out, when you're lying down, when you're getting up, when you're, you're dropping off the kids, when you're going to Trader Joe's, when you're, you know, heading into work, when you've got five minutes of a break at a, you know, at work, it's in those moments that God wants to talk to you if you'll lean into him. It's in those moments that you'll know him. You don't have to sit down and become a Hebrew scholar on the scriptures in order to know God. You don't even have to be a good reader. Some of us encounter God through ritual and tradition. Some of you love that. 
I mean, you just love it when it gets ritual. You know, like when we pump a little bit of haze in here, like incense, and then, you know, when communion happens, and we do that because we know that some of us connect with God ritually. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, but when we have the body and blood of Christ, when you get up and you get it, there's a little bit more of a ritual to it. And for some of us, we'll say that's our best time with connecting with God. For some of us, we encounter God in solitude, away from everything. It's like when you're walking through the marsh and the pluff mud and you got your fishing rod and you're looking for a spot and there's fish moving around and you're, you're all by yourself. For you, that's when God speaks his best into your life. For some of us, we encounter God when we're caring for others. We're missionally connected with a cause. I see so many people that will be like, I really don't feel close to God. Well, you know, tell me what you're, what you're reading. You, you into a book or anything? No, it, that really doesn't do it for me. It's like, okay, well, what does it do? It for? It's like when I'm serving, when I'm, when I'm down at the soup kitchen or when, I'm, when I'm, I'm helping another person. It's like, wow, that's when God speaks to you is when you're missionally connected. For some of us, we encounter God through music. You know, we, we just, when we are with the worship team and we're just kind of worshiping with God and the, and the lights that kind of reveals a, a spectrum of grandeur and we just sense God's presence there. For some of us, I'm guessing that's why because so many of us are sitting here like this because maybe, maybe that doesn't do it for you or maybe you're not trying. I don't know, I'll let you weigh that one out for yourself. But for some of us, the music and singing together and, and hearing somebody else sing. You know, you know, we got like Steve Vai over here on the guitar, and he can wail with that guitar. I told him the other day that I feel closest to God when either I listen, hear a violin playing or I hear an electric guitar playing. Now, you may be saying, I can't believe you're playing the electric rock music here in the Bible, in the church, you know. But let me just tell you, the singer girl, the little red-headed girl, she's okay. She's okay. Okay. I mean, she's my daughter, if you're new. Yeah, she's, so she's okay. But I'll tell you what, when he's playing that guitar and it's all by itself, and it's like, you know, I want to look like I'm out of the 70s here. But, you know, you say, really, you connect with God through one particular kind of instrument? Absolutely. I was created in his image. And apparently he knows the exact note on how to that opens up the soul of who I am as a person. Some of us encounter God by looking at cosmology on the origin of the universe or questions of theological importance, things of the mind, things of, of our intellect. But today, you know, we're, we're focusing on moving beyond data, moving beyond facts, moving beyond red number 40. Okay, so you know read, so you you know Romans chapter ten, that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and died for our sins, so you got that, great. But is your is the color in your face flushed? Is is it is it contorting your face with the excitement or the experience of knowing God? So, you know, I don't even. Matter of fact, I just quoted a verse out of Romans ten. You know why I told you it was in Romans 10? Because I don't know what the other number is. I never encountered God so that I could remember numbers. I had a gentleman come up to me and said, uh, Brother, I'd really like to get your take on uh, Colossians um, 3.7. Because I'm really, you know, there's some things in Colossians 3.7 I'm still working through my head. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'm like, I'm pulling up my iPhone and I'm like, what in the world is Colossians 3.7? <laughs> Folks, 
that's like falling in love with your tackle box. I don't take my tackle box and like, you know, sit in the boat in the driveway with my tackle box and like, I love you, tackle box. Plan on tackle box. You know, I, it's not what it is. I'm in love with catching fish. And when I got that, that spot tail red in my hand and I've pulled it in and I've got it and I'm measuring it out to find out whether or not I can keep it or release it, you know, you know fudge a little bit this way, a little bit that way. But you know, if I, I'm, I'm looking at that fish. That's what it's all about. Yes, we've grown our knowledge through Bible studies, through small groups, through corporate worship together, through giving out of our out of what give it, God has given to us and through serving. But the bottom line is God wants us to know him. He's not looking for more Bible belters. He's got enough of them. He's looking that, for people that know him. And as a result of leaning into God that we begin to experience the win, the success, the prosperity that God wants us to experience in our lives. So today, wherever you are, maybe Maybe you don't have data. Well, here's what you need to know today. That God so loved the world that he moved heaven and hell. That he gave his only son that you may have life. That you may know him. Yeah, but do I got to take a stand on the flood? On whether or not there was really a boat with all those animals? No, you don't have to take a stand on that. Yeah, but I'm not sure about evolution. Well, don't worry about evolution. Just know that God so loved the world that he gave his own son just for you. That's enough knowledge to get this thing started. That's putting the warhead in your mouth. Now it's time for it to explode. Maybe you're here and you've got all the knowledge and maybe you know what Colossians 3, 7 is. So what? If you're in Kitchen Fish, all you got is a toolbox. So we just invite you to come into this moment, every one of us, wherever we are, to experience God. Ask him to fill, fill you with the spirit, to just fill you with his love, to draw you closer. And I guarantee every one of you, if you will draw near to him, he will draw near to you. If you seek him, he shall be found by you. So enter into this moment with God together.